When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? It's Murray. He breaks through. He fights off Antoine. The fan goes in for a touchdown. First rushing touchdown of the season for the Minnesota Vikings. It's good to see that the running game got going. I thought Latavius ran with uh, with a purpose, and I also feel like um, that uh, you know at the end of the ball game, our guys um, got their pads low, fired off the ball. You know they had a bunch of guys lined up in the gaps, and we had to try to knock them off the ball in order to run the clock out. And that that's what good teams do. Uh, you know you finish games by running the football. Boom. Rookie out of Cincinnati is in the backfield and carry. Big hole, big speed. Boone inside the 25. Wow. Down to the 22. Trey Boston with a tackle. On first down, it's Murray with a big hole. And he breaks it into the long one. Antoine Bethay takes him down at the 34-yard line. Yeah, part of it is, um, you know, sticking with it some. You know, sometimes you get a two-yard gain. You know, you get frustrated. You just got to, you know, it might be a 2, a 2, and then it might be a 22. So you just got to keep pounding away and pounding away, and that's that's kind of how these things happen. Two tight ends in. Johnson finds an opening and dropped the football. Vikings think they have it. And it is Vikings ball. Tom Johnson, the big defensive tackle with a recovery of the David Johnson fumble. Things that get called, we just got to go out and play and do our job. And the one thing, we gave up one big play today, but the thing that we've done better last couple weeks is we've, we've eliminated these big plays, and that's been a big point of emphasis for us defensively. It's Cousins keeping it and running it for a touchdown! Are you kidding me? All right. That, Manny Hill, was more like it. When you get a yes. bad team here, because, listen... Arizona, I get it. They stink, all right? <laughs> but remember Buffalo. Remember what we all yeah. said. Oh, man, that you're, Josh Allen shouldn't even play in that game against the Vikings. It's unfair to the poor rookie quarterback. It's not going to work. The kid's going to get absolutely murdered by the Vikings. And then the Buffalo Bills came into U.S. Bank Stadium and drubbed the Vikings. So style points at this point in time don't matter. What matters is... Taking care of business. You play, And you played a first half, which was far from perfect. You, you led by three points. You did make some bad plays, but you came back in the second half, and now you are 3-2-1 and one with that tie. 
And and most importantly, my theory is if you divide the season up, Manny, into quarters, you need to win three of four in this quarter before the bye, which means you had Arizona at the Jets next Sunday, the Saints here in a really tough game, and then Detroit. I don't care which three that you win, but if you win three of those four games, you go into your bye at 5-3-1 and one and put yourself in very good shape. Yeah, and I think with yesterday... I mean, by no means was it a perfect performance. And by no means does this say that the Vikings are 100% back and that this is the exact same team we we saw last year. But this this looked a lot more like what we were familiar with and what we, what we expected going into this season where Cousins made some big throws for you. The defense got... You know, a couple of turnovers. Or I think it might have just was it just the one turnover, just the fumble recovery that they had. I think that's a, it. Yep. Yeah, but they got a turnover. They didn't give up. You know, they only gave up the one big play. The defense was not perfect yesterday, but it looked a lot closer to what we've been used to seeing uh, under Mike Zimmer the last couple of years. And now it's just a matter of can you continue that? You looked pretty good against Philadelphia last week with a few warts. Today you looked even, or excuse me, yesterday you looked even better, and now you just have to keep building on that now in the next couple of weeks. Uh, two, they they had a pick and uh, the recovery as well. Correct. Okay. For the Vikings on yep. Sunday. Yes, the defense, listen, this defense, here, here's what I liked on Sunday. that, And I don't, it seems to me, just from watching the game and being there, like the Vikings are now doing a better job of going back to what they did defensively with adjustments as well and different packages, personnel is changing. It seemed like in the, and I might be wrong here, but it seemed like in that Buffalo game that they basically put their personnel out there and said, this should be good enough to beat the Bills, and it went haywire. It went all wrong. I think what we're seeing now, and and I want to say off the top of my head, we saw uh, four or five different versions of a nickel package on Sunday. It seems like Zim is trying to mix things up a little bit more again and confuse players and confuse the, the opponent. And especially when you're playing a rookie quarterback, that's huge. And you got one yesterday, and you're going to get one uh, in Sam Darnold on Sunday as mm-hmm. well. And I so so the more confusion that you can throw at those guys, the better. But, yeah, I mean, this was a defense that going into yesterday was giving up 26.2 points per game, which for them is awful. And and they won 27 to 17 on Sunday, but cut that back down to 10 points defensively. That and the other thing that I want to get into here is the run game. I believe that Mackie, Mackie and Collar might disagree with, with me. Because today's game is so focused on the pass, and we talk so much about the pass, and the question has now become, do you need a run game in 2018 in the National Football League to be successful? I will buy into the fact that you have to be able to throw the ball successfully. That Mm -hmm. is a huge, huge thing. Completely get that, accept that. That's not an argument from me. Where I think the difference is, and why I think yesterday was important, is you have to be able to at least have a semblance of a run game to prove that you can do it. Up until yesterday, there was nothing that led opposing defenses to say, well, if Cook's not playing, the Vikings actually might have a run game. There was nothing there. Yeah. So it's not it's not that your run game has to be this primary focus and that you have to be a smash-mouth team for three or four quarters or something like that. What it is is... Can you even run the ball? 
And through the first five games, the answer for the Vikings was absolutely not. You couldn't run. And so that makes everybody's life in the pass game that much more difficult. It doesn't make it impossible to pass, but it definitely hurts you. And and by getting Murray going on Sunday, and by the fact that the Vikings ran for nearly 200 yards as a team without Dalvin Cook, was especially important to me because now teams have to say to themselves, at least we have to account for a run game from the Vikings, where previously, I think you said, they simply can't run or block the run, and it's no threat whatsoever. Yeah, and and I think, I mean, hell, you heard it on the highlight there from, from Sam Rosen that the Murray touchdown where he stiff-armed Antoine Buffet, that was the first rushing touchdown of the season for yep. this team. It yep. took them six games I know. to get their first rushing touchdown. Now, look, I mean... Look, get touchdowns however you can get them. If you throw them, you know, if Kirk Cousins throws 45 touchdown passes, fine. Who cares? But I think it just really, the fact that it took them six games to get a rushing touchdown shows you where the running game has been this season, which has been non-existent. And now you get what you got from Murray yesterday. I mean, that that's big because it shows that you can do it. You don't. Do you need 120 yards or whatever you got from Murray yesterday every single week? No, of course not. You've got Cousins and you've got these receivers. But if you have the ability to at least have some form of a running game, to at least where teams are going up against you and they're saying, okay, it's a threat. It's a little bit of a threat. And they're capable of running the football. It's not, it's not going to hurt you at all. Right. It's not going to hurt this offense at all to have that. The Vikings, the incredible stat was this. In their first five games, the Vikings had a run of 20 or more yards once in five games. They did it Mm. five times on Mm. Sunday. Now, now granted, once again, the Cardinals' run defense is atrocious. Mm -hmm. I thought the Cardinals were down by three at at halftime and tied shortly before that. And I thought the Cardinals said, what are we doing here? Let's just go home. They looked disinterested. (laughs) They looked like they didn't. They're awful. They're terrible. They're pretty bad, yeah. But no, but nonetheless, as I said, as far as the 2018 Vikings go, at least for now, everything to me comes back to Buffalo. So I can dismiss it all I want and say Arizona stinks. It means nothing, but that is that is simply not true. Because of that Buffalo game. After what we saw in Buffalo or, or from Buffalo here, I now have to say, you know what? If the opponent comes here and they're close at halftime, it's a threat. It's a definite threat. But yeah, they had one 20-yard run all season going into yesterday. And they had five on Sunday. Before we uh, talk more Vikings, we do have to we have to get to this, don't we? Ding, ding. We're here. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Boomy. Yeah. Ain't, ain't going to change the way that I play. That's going to make me smile more. So please, come on with it. I can go out there and I can play. You know, it's, it's all about playing hard. I think I can do that. When I'm gassed and I'm tired, I'll look down at Tibbs and say, Tibbs, I need a break. If he doesn't um, take me out of the game, I'll, I'll call upon Rook and Josh to come to the scores table. Uh, they know. I talk to them every day. Mm-hmm. I miss my guys. Uh, I want to compete. They know that. Um, they know I have um, my best interest in it, theirs. Um, I tell them everything that I see out there on the basketball court because I want them to be great. Um, if I'm out there, if I'm not out there, I want you to be the best basketball player that you can be. Is Jimmy leaving? Can Tibbs let him go? These are the days of our wolves. The answer to those questions currently right now are no. 
maybe and no. Uh, the news, if you didn't see it on Sunday, Jimmy Butler has now returned to practice. Glenn Taylor drove from Mankato with his wife to meet with Jimmy before practice. Mm-hmm. And in what continues to be one of the great soap operas of all time in this town, it sounds like Glenn agreed has agreed with Jimmy that he will continue to try and trade Jimmy. In exchange for that, Jimmy will rejoin the team and be a halfway, I guess, decent guy and will play in Wednesday's opener, if he's not traded before then, against the Spurs in San Antonio. And as best I can tell from the responses that we got from Tibbs on Sunday, he will do what's best for the team, but seemingly, if you read the tea leaves here, now has little role in actually trading Jimmy, and that might, and that might all fall to Glenn. And then uh, this soundbite was Jimmy talking about uh, John Krasinski's question to him, which was simply, if you're playing in the home opener on Friday, uh, how's it going to be when they start booing you? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, boo me. Yeah. Ain't, ain't going to change the way that I play. That's going to make me smile more. So please, come on with it. I can't wait for Friday, and I hope he's here. <laughs> I just hope he's here, Manny. It's going to be it's going to be great be fun. It will be something to see. It will be something to see. And it, it, think about how, ma- how amazing this is. You've got a home opener. Coming off the first playoff game or first playoff season in 14 years, the head coach and president of basketball operations will, in all likelihood, be booed. And the best player on the team right now will be booed. Think about that. Who gets booed louder, Tibbs or Butler at this point? I think Tibbs will get booed louder. Because the reason why I say that is because. The negativity around Tibbs has been has been going on longer than it has for Jimmy. Although, with that said, it could be it could that could mean that it's op, that it's the opposite that people are at this point tired of booing Tibbs because they've been angry with him for for so long. Whereas this Jimmy thing, people are kind of getting worked up about it just over the course of the last month. Yeah, I'm trying to decide. I I think that they. I think that Butler is going to feel their wrath, but but you know Tibbs got booed fairly loudly by a half full or less building for that Against one Oklahoma preseason City. game. Yeah. yeah, so I think you might be right. I think the real anger might be taken out on Tibbs more so than Jimmy, because I mean at the end of the day, Tibbs is the one who is look he made the trade for Jimmy in the first place. What? And Jimmy and and yeah. he's been basically enabling all of this stuff with Jimmy for the last month with the trade request and what happened on Wednesday at practice. Tibbs has just been kind of sitting back, and now we're all thinking, okay, well, did Tibbs know about Jimmy wanting to be out back in April? Did you and did nothing all summer about it? Well, sure. Did you see the uh, the video f- uh, footage from after practice on Sunday? That was on Doogie's Twitter account when Tibbs was asked about this whole thing. And Tibbs gets this, as best I could put it, diabolical grin. Like, I still got him. It was, it's really weird. And now I love, I love the fact that Glenn. It was that same, it was that same grin that when they asked him last week about, you know, anything new on the Butler trade talks. And he just said, ongoing. 
And then he just kind of had that little half but it's a, grin as he was kind of looking away. And, and now it's as if he's got his guy back, so all is right with the world, despite the fact that nothing is right with the Wolves' world, but Tom doesn't understand that. <laughs> it's it's really, really weird. And Jimmy, I, I think you're right. I think Jimmy's going to get booed pretty loudly. I think Tibbs is going to hear just a chorus of people who are sick and tired of his act and this team and... It's remarkable. You lead this team back to the playoffs after a 13-year absence. Yeah. People, I don't think it's a stretch to say a lot of your fan base really hates you at this point. Not dislikes you, hates you. And I think it's because he has been the guy who has orchestrated all of this in terms of it's all of his actions or, in some cases, lack thereof, that has brought us to this point where we are with this team right now where Jimmy wants out and... You know, the, the 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 future of this team is in doubt in terms of Jimmy's future here and all of that stuff. I mean, Tibbs is ultimately the one who has been in charge of all of this, and he's let so many things go by and done nothing and done things that he probably shouldn't have done or made decisions that he shouldn't have done. And I think that's he's the ultimately the guy that you got to look at in all of this. Kirk Cousins has a problem. I have a solution. We'll discuss next from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. It's teen. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, here's a quick look at your traffic. It's brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. We just have one uh, crash to tell you about. And uh, that's on 169 northbound. That is uh, between Anderson Lakes Parkway and 494 in Edina. That's adding a few minutes to your commute. But uh, otherwise, everything else moving around the system rather smoothly. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd, Phil will uh, join the conversation at 4 o'clock. Kevin Seifert, ESPN, uh, joins us uh, to talk Vikings and NFL. Next segment, also some breaking news. Mike Hughes, as uh, suspected, has a torn ACL and is out for the season, which uh, which does not help things considering that he replaced Trey Waynes for the entire game at the outside corner in Philadelphia, Manny, and then he played inside quite a bit on Sunday before he got hurt. So your first-round pick is done for the season, which means Mackenzie Alexander has to play a bit more, which is probably not a great thing. He is, I think he's okay in spots, but they've used uh, Curse as well. And the guy who I was impressed by yesterday, because they finally played him a lot, George Iloka. Yeah, and I mean, what, what did we talk about going into this season, Judd, with this defense? Moving guys around. Moving guys around, but also, last year, they stayed healthy. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. They stayed healthy that's for pretty much the entire season. I mean, Everson Griffin had the had the foot thing, but other than that, they stayed healthy for a full 16-game season and into the playoffs. This year, they've been dealing with something well, they did not have to deal with last year, which was injuries, I've and their depth was has been tested. One solution, Anthony Barr, put him at end a lot. Yeah. You're down to almost nothing there. With Griffin out, you are you are as bare bones as it can possibly get. Hunter's fantastic, but he's going to be gassed by December. Anthony Barr, put him with his hand down. Put him at the end as much as you possibly can. He's good there. Mm-hmm. Trying to turn him into a, a conventional linebacker is his weakness. 
Because he can't cover people in space. No, no, he can't. He can't. Whether it's a tight end or a running back or, or certainly a wide receiver, he just can't cover people in space. He is better. He is at his best when he is allowed to get pressure. And when you're right, when he is asked to drop back into coverages, he's exploited. Uh, speaking of weaknesses, this is what Zimmer had to say about his quarterback's fumbling issues on Sunday. Yeah, I'm concerned about all fumbles, but yeah, we've got to do a better job. I think the two times that, the two that I can remember that he fumbled, you know, both times guys were coming from behind him, and and so you know he's got to when he starts moving up in the pocket, he's got to be ready to put the ball away. So we'll we'll address that. I've got the solution. I've got the solution to the problem of Kirk Cousins' fumbles, which is a big problem. Mm-hmm. He has fumbled the ball six times this season. He has now lost five, including the one on Sunday that was returned for a touchdown, one of two touchdowns by the Cardinals on Sunday. His first year as a starting quarterback with the Washington Redskins' Manny Hill was 2015. Since that time, he has fumbled the ball 37 times and lost 16. That's astoundingly high. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. All right. So when you tweet this out, you get a proper response. Look at his offensive line. And I buy mm-hmm. some of that. Sure. Rashad Hill moved to left. Chandler Jones. Oh. You can't you can't ask the kid to do that. You can't ask Rashad Hill to do that, but yet you had to. Mm-hmm. Brian O'Neill, who I think might be making progress, is still a rookie now trying to start at right tackle. And three months ago, we all said project, project, project. Uh your center is good. I think your right guard should be probably playing right tackle, so I think he's miscast. And your left and your left guard is a weakness. So yesterday, three of the five, three at least three of the five spots were questionable. Mm-hmm. You call Kirk Cousins in if you're Spielman and Zimmer, and I think Kirk. And this is not unusual for athletes, so this is not a huge hot take criticism. I think Kirk has some problems sometimes taking responsibility for things. I think he does it lip service wise. But a lot of guys have been brought up as stars, especially if they're athletes. And so they're often not asked to fall on the sword. And, hey, this is your fault. And they're, oh, yeah, it's my fault. You call Kirk Cousins in and you say, Kirk, listen, we have Super Bowl aspirations here. We signed you because we do. We're not, we're not in this to make the playoffs. We didn't get off to a great start, but we're fine now. And we could be absolutely fine. And we could certainly win this division and have a lot of success. But you're fumbling is a season-ending problem. There before the grace of God, you do that in the NFC title game, and it's mm-hmm. you're done. It's the play. It ruins you. Mm-hmm. But if you're Zimmer and Spielman, you, you play a bit of psychologist with Kirk Cousins, and you say, the offensive line's our fault. We have injuries there. That's unfortunate. And quite frankly, Kirk, we signed you to a massive contract, but we failed to properly address a very important position group that we should have. We just screwed up. Sorry. That being said, here's the solution. Without saying this to him, you know he doesn't feel pressure. He just doesn't sense it. Some guys do. Some guys do when they make those subtle, just sort of hop-skip moves to their right or left. Some guys just don't. And Manny, he doesn't. But in taking this upon yourself, you tell him, here's what we need you to do. If things are breaking down around you, you know when they're breaking down. Now, I would argue he can't feel the pressure from behind him, but you can see when all hell is breaking loose, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's obvious. Kirk, we need you to do one of two things. We either need you to throw the ball away immediately or eat it. Unless we are in a situation where it is a fourth quarter and we're down and we have to have you make the play. So if that's the case, then do it. Mm -hmm. And if you lose it, you just lose it. 
But if we are sitting in the second or third quarter of a game and it's a seven-point game or something, because yesterday on the play that he fumbled on, Manny? On the touchdown? Uh, yes. He said he went in this long thing, but he said that he saw a couple guys, a couple possible receivers there that he was going to dump the ball off to. I don't want to hear that. That's the worst thing you can possibly say. That's That comes from a quarterback who has a sense of the pocket, which he doesn't really. Right. So I think this comes down to telling him, Kirk, we need you to be responsible with the football, and that means don't try and be a hero when it's when it could have any chance, unless we're down, and it's really important, unless you feel that there's no other possibility, eat the ball. We don't care. I wonder if he is, because I, you know, I've I've been replaying the fumbled recovery touchdown for the Cardinals back, you know, over and over for like the last couple of minutes. And first of all, he had Aldrick Robinson was cutting right across the middle of the field, and all he had to do was just throw the ball right to him. He was he was open. I just I wonder if he is, and we can ask Collar this too when he comes in today. I wonder if Kirk is just one of those guys that he's waiting for the perfect situation to throw the ball. Now, he's made some terrific throws this season. He's made some great throws. But I wonder if sometimes he's holding onto the ball for that extra second because, you know, I got to get, you know, I got to make sure Thielen is as open as possible before I can deliver the football to him. And sometimes you just got to let it rip, man. Sometimes you just got to let that ball out because because the pressure is coming and because you got Rashad Hill playing left tackle for you, you don't have time to sit and wait for everything to be perfectly laid out for you. Get rid of the ball. Get rid of the ball. Now, on that touch, on that fumbled touchdown, he stepped up, but he had Robinson open right over the middle. So it's like but don't don't step that. It, but don't you think the fumble numbers are such that he's past the point of do of being able to do what you just said? Because I'm with you if you right. get him to do it. I think there's a mental block there, which means that if at the point in time that that play got to where he tried to step up and throw, I need him to to take the ball, hug the football as tight as possible, and just take the sack. Yeah, it's my fault if I'm the Vikings. I gave him this line. Mm-hmm. I'm taking responsibility. But now he you're, has to address. He has to adjust to the situation. But you're you're a thousand percent right. If I had the faith that he could make the the mental adjustment you're talking about, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can. Yeah, thirty seven fumbles since 2015, Manny. And he's in what his seventh year in the league, because him and RG three came in yeah. with Washington the same year, yep, 2012, yep, and he's 30 years old. I'm just trying. So, yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way where, in a playoff game, this doesn't happen. And I don't listen. The play in which he lost the ball, I don't need him to make that play. He's going to make other plays. He's got opportunities, and and he does make some great plays. I'll take the plays that he's comfortable making. And what I would like to do is subtract the Favre-like tendency to think that he can make a play when he can't. And if I'd given him a better offensive line, guess what? There's going to be more opportunities. That's my point is if I'm if I'm Zimmer and Spielman and we're having this conversation on October 15th, I'm taking the blame and saying, sorry, we didn't give you a sufficient line. Our fault. But I can't have you fumbling. 
Take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. And and no and matter if that means you gotta take a sack and exactly. lose seven yards, then take the damn sack. Exactly. But don't fumble the football because that's what put them behind. I mean, there were a lot of things that went wrong in the Buffalo game, mm-hmm. but his fumbles did not help matters at all. And all it did was just make it worse and almost basically took them out of the game early on because they were playing uphill the basically the entire that entire afternoon. And despite the fact that he's paid like one, we all know he's not a top 10 quarterback. So let's stop expecting. A top 10 quarterback has the, the, the footwork sense to make the plays that Kirk can't, but let's not expect him to be something he can't be because that's how you're, you're playing a game against the Rams in January and it's tied mm-hmm. and he fumbles. So let's take away let's take away the things that we know he simply can't do by eliminating them completely for now. And this does not mean because you know there's going to be people that are listening right now saying, "Oh, what are you guys complaining about? Cousins has been fine." We know he's been the 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 good has been really good, but we can't ignore. I mean, he fumbled yesterday, and the Cardinals picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown and tied the game. Yes. This like, a, that's a big deal. This is a realistic conversation about if this team has Super Bowl aspirations, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So just eat the football. Throw it away. But don't think you saw two guys and then you go to cock the ball and now it's back in uh, for a, a touchdown. Seifert joins us next. We talk uh, Vikings National Football League uh, rules and so much more. Mackie and Judd, Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. Joining us now, our friend Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, does a great job covering the National Football League and so often has to write about the the many rules that are being enforced in this league these days. But, Kevin, let's start here. How entertaining was that Pats-Chiefs game last night? Was that not fun to watch? I, w- I wanted it to go to uh, eight quarters instead of four, at least overtime, I would think. But that, uh, you know, I, I always... I hate, in some ways, I hate the offensive explosion that we've seen in the NFL. But then I, I, you know, I watch a game like last night, and I want to see more. So I can't, uh, I can't be too hypocritical about it. How much fun was that? Help me out here too with with that point. Are we looking at offenses being this dynamic? Are we looking at rules just being um, uh, turned so heavily towards the favor of the offense that the game is tilted now? Or is defense just becoming that bad in some ways? What do you think? I think, you know, it's, it's a boring answer, but I think all of the above. You know, the, the rules over time uh, have definitely had a, a significant effect. And this year we've had uh, emphasis, emphasis, a rule of emphasis on two really important aspects of pass defense, which is illegal contact, which not many people are talking about, but those penalties have tripled compared to last year. Those are the ones that keep you from... Uh, making it's basically pass interference before the ball is thrown, and then as opposed to after. So those those are under uh, very uh, close scrutiny. Uh, we talked a lot about the, the roughing the passer penalty, and that obviously we saw last night that had a had a, a direct role in a Tom Brady rushing touchdown. The uh, defender from the Chiefs uh, said afterwards that 
he thought that Tom Brady had thrown the ball and he was so afraid he was going to get penalized if he hit him after the throw that he let go, and it turned out he still had it, and so he scored a touchdown. So we're seeing those effects. Uh, we're seeing some good young quarterbacks that have come in uh, and are much better equipped to run the type of schemes that some of these uh, new young coaches want to run, which is uh, similar to the spread. So we're seeing a melding of young quarterbacks and scheme that we hadn't seen before. And we've also, we also see, and this is harder to, to, to point out you know, in specific instances, but people who know defensive football have been very vocal this year, especially about some techniques uh, and fundamentals that teams that a lot of teams and players just aren't aren't following whether it's knowing how to how to compensate in coverage or tackling well or maintaining gaps or any of the things that used to be part and st- still are supposed to be part of uh of uh playing really good defense have gone to the wayside so an all of the above answer and but i really do think that's what explains what we've seen so kevin what are defensive players supposed to do i mean that's kind of the rhetorical question that everybody's been asking for weeks now right since all the roughing the passer stuff has been happening but what are what are defensive players supposed to do like what is the guy from kansas city last night supposed to do at that point i mean what 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 are the, where do these guys go from here yeah part of me thinks that um you know i mean it's it's a nice excuse in his case that he thought that that tom brady had thrown the ball but you need to open your eyes and keep your head up and make sure you're actually watching the ball um and that's what a lot, some defensive players have talked about if you're going to be you know, let's take the pass rush, for example. If you're going to be under heavy scrutiny for the contact that you make with quarterbacks, then just focus on making contact with the ball. Um, Khalil Mack does a great job of that. You know, he's yeah. certainly capable of blowing up a quarterback, but he's, you know, he's, he and Von Miller, you know, also very focused on just trying to knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands. If you're a stats guy, you still get the sack. You know, it's not like they're going to take the, the sack away from you if you force a fumble, but the quarterback doesn't go down. You still get your sack. But you also, you know, you're not going to get penalized because you barely made contact and you're potentially getting a turnover. So that's one thing that I think more defenders, Clay Matthews has talked about this as well, that if you're just going to be under such heavy scrutiny uh, in terms of contact with a quarterback, then just make contact with the ball. Make that the focus of your direct line that you're taking to the, into the pocket instead of actually blowing up the quarterback himself. And coverage... You know, I don't know what to tell those guys, and I don't think it, know if anybody does. You know, there's certainly tricks to the trade in terms of how you can get away with subtle contact that isn't likely going to be called. But um, we're seeing so many cases where guys really aren't making contact and they're still getting penalties that I, I don't have a good answer for those people other than, again, to try to just make plays on the ball um, and then hope that the officials see whatever contact results as uh, two players going for the ball as opposed to one player trying to restrict the other. What would Randy Moss in his prime do to this league today? <laughs> well, he'd moss a lot of people, that's Woo! for sure. Um, you know, they, he, uh, the, the, the one thing is, like, you know, especially with some of these strong-arm quarterbacks, you see this with Mahomes and, and Tyreek Hill. I mean, you, 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 know, you talk about not being able to overthrow Randy Moss, you'd have just as much... Um, you know, so there'd be such little restriction to him getting up ahead of steam and getting downfield and running past people, especially younger in, in his younger days when he just had all the jets going. That there, you'd see even probably even more long passes, but you'd also see um, you'd probably also see greater um, you know, variety in the routes he could run because. Mm-hmm. 
frankly, any receiver should be a lot less worried about going over the middle in terms of contact now than, than they were in 1999 or 98 when Randy Moss first came into the league. I don't think he was afraid of contact. I, don't think, I think he knew he was bigger than most of those guys, and he wasn't worried about what would happen. But I think they also, just because of his speed and just because of the, the, the way you could get slowed down in the middle, they had him on routes on the outside pretty much exclusively for the long part of his career. So you could possibly see more variety of, of passes as well. You watching Antonio Brown or even a Julio Jones going across the middle are just as difficult to stop that way than they would be if they were just running straight nine routes down the field. So Kevin Judd and I were just talking in the last segment uh before we got to you about Kirk Cousins and and the fumbling issues that he has had not just this year, but going back to his days in Washington if you're the Vikings and you have Super Bowl aspirations and you have hitched your wagons to this quarterback and you've given him a fully guaranteed contract, but he has this fumbling issue and Mike Zimmer even said it yesterday after the game that he's concerned about it and that they need to address it. How, how do you, how do you go forward with this? If you're the Vikings knowing that this is, this is an issue that if you get to the playoffs and it's a tie game and Kirk cousins is trying to drive for trying to go for a winning drive here that, if a defensive end beats one of your tackles off the edge and hits Kirk Cousins, that ball might come out. Well, I actually was surprised that, you, that we didn't see much adjustment to that yesterday. There was a lot of, um, I'm sure there were some times when they were chipping and double teaming on the edge, but you had a guy playing at left tackle who's not your starting left tackle, and you had a rookie playing at right tackle, um, and you have you know, those guys getting beat around the edge, frankly, a good bit by some good pass rushers that the Cardinals have, and combining that with a quarterback who, number one, holds the ball, you know, not excessively or terribly, but does hold the ball, um, is not one, two, three-step throw as much as I thought he would be. And uh, and when he does get hit, he has a tendency to drop the ball. So if you're the Vikings, you wonder if, if, if they're in that situation. They may not make a game plan to say we're going to have all quick throws and we're just going to minimize and, and or we're going to double team on the outside and have less people out in the route. Um but one of those or both of those things probably need to happen more often. You need to have quicker throws so that even if they are beat, uh, they're not going to get to the quarterback before he, um, before he gets rid of the, the ball. And, and he needs to be cognizant of, of, of throwing it. You know, I, it's, it's, there, there's some fundamentals that quarterbacks can do to protect the ball, um, I guess, in terms of keeping it close and, and having it gripping it a certain way, but, and having, holding it, uh, near the body. But, uh, for the most part, the, the, the key to not giving up either sacks or fumbles is getting rid of the ball. And I, I would imagine that would be something that is probably weighing on the Vikings uh, this week uh, as they, and, and in future weeks as they prepare for, for various teams, that uh, if they have some protection issues and they have a quarterback with fumbling problems, then if they're going to throw, they have to make sure it gets out a little quicker than what it has so far. Here's my question. Where on earth is the Star Tribune or Pioneer Press hand size story? You know, when Dante had this problem, we were all over hand size, and we talked about Teddy's hands for a long time. Why yeah. are we not trying to dissect exactly what size Kirk's hands are here? Back I'm, back in the day, we would have been all over this, Seifert. Oh yeah. I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they're going back to, the, they should be going back to the combine right now and seeing what Cousin's hand size was. <laughs> And also, also asking him why he's not wearing gloves indoors. You know, that could yeah. be another a grip. Uh, you know, see what his grip uh, skills are in that regard. But yeah, that's uh, 
that's certainly something that should be investigated, and I'll do alacrity. Glove size story is not a bad idea. I think I, I might start on that one. Yeah, like you never, glove I mean, story, receiver, yeah. Receiver, yeah, receivers wear gloves. Teddy Bridgewater wore gloves, and that's what is his comfort. Maybe Kirk Cousins needs to wear gloves. I don't know. Maybe the hub is dancing, too. You never know. Oh, no, no, no. That dancing <laughs> that dancing <laughs> was straight Zolgad. That's, what, that's how I, that, that dead arm dance, that's me. That's how I dance. I felt so old. I had to Google that thing to find out what it was. I guess it's uh, it's related to something called the Bernie, which doesn't sound that exciting. But uh, that's uh, the, well, wait the Bernie. The Bernie I found out from from my younger friends is a weekend at Bernie's deal from the I movie. Know weekend, I know weekend at Bernie's. What, was there a dance? I don't know, but maybe there was a time. Weren't they trying to make him look like he was alive, and so they would move him around a little bit? Maybe yes. that's the joke. Yeah, that they. You're basically dead on your feet, but somebody's you know moving you like a puppet to try to make you look alive. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic! We are old and not hip, Judge. Oh, oh man! But but I know you see. But here's Matt, the key: Matt, I know I'm not he's hip. To save us, and he's sitting there laughing. He doesn't have anything to say. Yeah, I, I don't have an answer either. That's the thing. I <laughs> you're just the young I, one, man. You got to help us out. Well, I I when I saw them doing the dance, Kevin, I I was like, what are they doing? What yeah. is, what what is this? Like, I've, what is this? And they were all in on it. That's crazy. Yeah, thing. it was it was yeah. The Cowboys, meanwhile, are doing the the uh, the Conor McGregor strut, and the Vikings are doing the Bernie. So it was it is what it is. But they're such dads. It's like Thielen <laughs> and the <laughs> offensive linemen and Cousins. It's like you guys are such dads. It's like you're playing pickup football. It really is. Last thing, sir, Jacksonville Jaguars, past two games, have now uh, defensively given up 70 points, including 40 to Dallas on Sunday. You think this is a blip, or do you think that this is a Blake Bortles is our quarterback, we're struggling, and we're just go- we're, we're going to go from being a Super Bowl-type contending team to being done here? What's your theory? Yeah, I, I, my theory is the same as it was, is with the Vikings in some cases. If you went into a year saying you're a defense and, uh, and, and or running the ball team, you picked the wrong year. You know, the, the, the Vikings are not trying to be a, a, a run team, but they certainly were built to be a strong defensive team. And as we talked about at the top of the segment, it is so stacked against you if you're planning to try to win games by having a suffocating defense. I think they have some excellent players on defense, and they still have a good plan, and they have good coaching, but it is, just, and I'm not saying that's an excuse for giving up 40 points to the Cowboys, but they, I mean, it's it's it is not easy to overcome the obstacles that are currently in the way of defenses to play 60 minutes of really suffocating football. If you're Tom Coughlin and you're running that ship right now, too, Kevin, how do you look at Blake Bortles and go into this season without at least going and getting somebody else to play behind him and push him and challenge him a little bit? I think they just thought that they they could play that that uh, that they could play the same formula that they played last year, which was to play the great defense, have Leonard Fournette run for a thousand yards, and and have Blake Bortles surprise people, uh, you know, against favorable coverage with enough good passes and some mobility. But I mean, you can't. You just like it. We've gone through we've gone through enough years with Blake Bortles to know that he can't carry a team offensively. Not a lot of guys can, but he certainly can't. And like. It, the, the jury is in on him, yep. and and I think we know what he is. You know, they'll look back. You know, historians will look back on last year's draft when they were in position to take a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes at four, and they took Fournette, uh, who was a really good running back. But you can you can you know get some good running backs uh, like the Vikings got Latavius Murray in free agency, for example, for not a lot of money. It's and the so Giants, that, right? 
What's that? Giants. Same thing with yeah. Barkley and instead I, of taking quarterback. Bar- Barkley, like I think, is on another level from Fournette yep. uh, in terms of his receiving and just playmaking. Fournette. The thing about Fournette, he's he's a really good pound the ball guy, but he's not even a threat necessarily to go sixty yards on any play like Barkley is or Adrian Peterson was when he was drafted. And, and that ilk, like he's not even quite at that level. It doesn't appear, and so that's the part that really hurts. He can't change a game in one play even. Um, at least those guys can do that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks, Take care. Kevin. Okay, guys. Yep. All right. Check out Kevin's work. Uh, Seifert uh, at uh, ESPN.com does a fantastic job. M- mainly writes about rules, but is one of the most insightful people around and uh, actually is a very good balance to my knee-jerk reaction personality as well. Let's come back and uh, wrap up 3 o'clock hour. Mackie joins at 4 o'clock. And then don't forget the football hour, of course, at 5 o'clock with uh, Matthew Collar. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings at 5.15. So plenty more to go here. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. ESPN. Quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 westbound. We do have a crash uh, between Hennepin and 3rd Avenue, adding about uh, four minutes to your commute if you're westbound on 94. So be on the lookout for that. Judd? I got a question for you before we bring Mackie in. Yes, sir. Four o'clock. Am I right or am I wrong that it seemed to me like back in the day, and this is pre-Twitter, when Culpepper was fumbling, we had stories about it. We had analysis of the size of his hands about it. We It seemed to get a lot of coverage. Mm-hmm. Cousins has the same problem. And I'm not trying to say we don't talk about it, but it doesn't seem to be nearly as big of a deal. And I think with where the Vikings are right now, it's a le- completely legit story. I know fans might get frustrated, but I think it's a completely legitimate storyline Am I right in saying it seemed like with Culpepper, we basically were all excited about it, and with Cousins, we sort of talk about it, but not as much? I wonder if, because Dante was so big, you know, he was 6'4", 6'5", and 255, 260 pounds, and how, you know, I think in our mind, it was like, how can a guy that big have fumbling problems his hands should be massive well then look at him buddy but he's got small hands like i think that was part of it right okay like because he was so big so we were astounded was, okay it was a it was astounding to us that a guy right. that big could have small hands and he fumbles all the time whereas kirk is you know kirk's not a big guy he's you know good good size for a quarterback but he's not a big guy a big hulking guy like dante was i wonder if that's part of it but I mean, this is every bit of as much of a problem. I just remember as, seeing stories at the time, yeah, at the Strib and at Pioneer Press about that. On it felt like a weekly basis, you know, the concern about he can't hang on to the football and this and that. I do remember the one thing that amazed me, and it was definitely part of his success. Was do you remember Favre's hand size? He had just huge. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get the ball away from him. Right now, he would throw it to you, which was a problem. <laughs> But if you go back, if you watch the Greg Lewis Week 3 2009 touchdown, watch him. He has a defender come at him, and if I'm right, he takes the ball, puts it up, brings it down, and takes it around Uh, the defender with one hand. Yeah. Half the guys would have spiked the ball right into the ground at that point. They couldn't have held on to it. Right. Yeah. Well, even even look at a situation like Adrian. 
Adrian has massive hands, but his was a carrying. How, how but he, he his it. was yeah, his was fundamentally holding on to the football. Well, but even in yeah. his case, you look at a guy with hands that huge. And what do we always say about Adrian? Strong handshake. Yeah, right. Yeah. Strong handshake. No, his Adrian's problem was he never knew when to go down. He fought for every yard, and subsequently he be getting gang tackled so much. And the mechanically, guys just come he's in just and, holding the yeah. ball out like this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I just find it I find it interesting that with Dante we were doing story after story. It seemed like every couple of weeks there'd be a Dante's hands look at him and we went, we gotta go back. Seaford's right. Kevin Seaford's right. Let's go back to the combine stuff. Cousins hand size. This could be the story. <laughs> TCL broadcast studios. Mackie joins next as we will be at full strength, or that's debatable. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On fifteen hundred ESPN. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Colaguard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Colaguard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. 